welcome to the Polaris PT Podcast, where we have conversations and learn the stories behind the people involved in all aspects of health and wellness, be it physical, mental, relationships, and yes, even spiritual. I am your host, Dr. Brig Woods, physical therapist and owner of Polaris PT and Wellness. Today on the podcast, I have Logan Brooks. Logan Brooks is the owner of the running store, Queen Creek Running Company, but he is so much more than that. He is a human, he is a runner, he is a husband, he is a near-death survivor, he's a music aficionado, and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. In fact, we got into it for about two hours. So, without further ado, Logan Brooks. What's up, Logan? Thanks for coming by, man. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> so, yeah, we were just talking, actually... Interesting that we were just talking about kind of movement and taking things for granted and learning a little bit more about kind of what you do. And I thought you said something interesting. You were saying like, when people ask you what you do, you said something like, what did you, you asking what I do? Or are you asking like, what, how did you say that? Yeah. It's like what you're, are you asking me what I, what I do or what, are you asking me what I think I do? Or are you asking me what you think I am, which is a chiropractor or a business owner, or whatever. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's always a <laughs> interpretation is always key, I guess. There. Yeah, it's what's it's always an interesting question, like because there there is there is what people perceive you to do, right? People probably look at you and go, "Oh, you're running. You you own a running store, and you're a runner." Yeah. But that's significant. There's, there's, that's, there's so much more. I can't tell you how many times people come in and they're like, they're like, oh, you're a runner. You're this or that. And I'm just like, well, now I'm a human. Yeah. Like I'm a human. Right. I do a lot of different things. Sure. I think people do just have a tendency to just attach those ideas. It's like, we're so many different things. We can be so many different things. And, uh, I, I never, I've never said I'm a runner in my entire life, but that's also because maybe I didn't identify as that. Like I didn't grow up running. So maybe I, I didn't attach that to myself. You didn't attach yourself with that particular <laughs> mental disorder. Yeah. That particular <laughs> mental disorder. I always joke that runners have mental disorders. I work with them sometimes and it's yeah. like, I need you to just dial back your, your mileage a little bit. Oh no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'll lose. People are data driven. Yeah. Everything is about data. But, but no, I agree with you. Like people have, and it's so much easier to just label somebody something. Yeah. Right. And your perceived idea rather than actually getting to know the person. Yeah. I think it's, it well, and that's why it's hard, but that's hard for people to walk into our store. Cause they're like, I'm not a runner. And that, and, yeah. that's, and that's, that's what I teach everybody that or try to help with teaching everybody that's, that's worked at the store is, is people have that identity of a runner. It's mm-hmm. the, I mean, I get it. I get it because I'm in that industry and I know I have, I've met people and I know people that do fit that bill. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's the number one wall we got to break down as soon as they walk through the door is we are not runners. We're just human beings and trying to get you whatever you want to do, whether you're walking or Well, running. I think, I, I think I even said that to you. Cause like, clearly like no. I'm not the. Yeah. I took pro- offense to it. <laughs> I'm not the prototypical runner. I'm six foot. I weigh yeah. 255, right? But like, it's funny because I often tell people, I'm like, people go, well, you work with athletes. And I'm like, do you have a body? Yeah. Do you move it? You're an athlete. Yeah. Like, if you want to identify as an athlete and you, you move your body in such a way, you're an athlete. So yeah. 
I mean, if I want to identify, if I if I put on shoes and I go for a jog, I'm a runner, baby. Yeah. If if I want to be. It's tough. Yeah, it's. I think it's just yeah. I mean, with any business nowadays, especially you're force fed so much stuff online or on your phone or whatever that it's like what used to be you saw a runner in a magazine or you saw an athlete in a magazine yeah that was your only interpretation but now it's like the good thing is is now you can see a million different shapes and colors of runners and this and that whereas before it was like you had you know you had one idea of what a runner is but now it's like i always kind of i've always thought this i'm i'm like we've evolved like greatly in the last like handful of years but it's yeah. like i still feel like it's so minute like our actual evolution because it's like we have all this content to see different runners and, and different athletes and different human beings doing a million different things but we still atta- attach ourselves to like this is a runner and it's yeah. like no you just saw all this it was on your phone like you're seeing credible evidence that like those walls are done and those walls are broken down but it's hard people are still stuck you know that's it's it's tough i know you don't spend a a tremendous amount of time on social media though have you seen this dude he goes by the handle of big z i think he's he's so he's got no legs but he like legit no legs he doing like like a but he set he set like a land speed record for for like running on his hands i'll show you this real quick now, if, uh, if, I think I may. For those of you guys that, because this is went on a video, but go check this guy's profile out. Dude cruises on his hands, and he goes like he does. He runs. He runs sprints. Jesus, on his hands. It's big underscore z underscore twenty twenty. Get on it. Yeah, that's yeah. He's running dude, like six dude, minute pace there or something. Yeah, dude can. Dude flies on his hands. So just going to show right, like that dude doesn't have legs, but he's. He's he's a sprinter. Yeah, I think it, yeah, that's the that's what everybody's trying to become is they're trying to be like they're. I feel like a lot of times people forget that we all have these like platforms. We have these billboards in our pocket now. Oh yeah, like it's like a window into like what people are, what you are from the outside, or what you are on the inside. Right. And uh, and. Uh, you use it use it in a positive way i mean you can use it in a bad in a negative way but absolutely to me it's like we do have this unique opportunity to show what we're capable of what others are capable of people that can't speak for themselves and like i don't know I, i it is unique and that's with my business at times even though it's hard to like separate my like personal side on social media than it is like my business side right it's kind of weird because you're always in that weird position of like i'm not necessarily everything that's on my social media page just because right. i'm marketing to my entire group of of people that that follow our store and, and whatnot um but yeah it, it is hard at times because it's like there is that other side of me that that wants to show a side that a lot of people maybe because they think I'm just a runner. Yeah, they don't know that I have this other side that's interested in in like literature and music and philosophy and this and that. Really, and it's like, and it's like yeah, that's... I mean, well, and I I knew you were more than that, but really my relationship with you is strictly has been like 
we met at CrossFit competitions. Yeah. I've been into your store. We've communicated. We bumped into each other. But yeah, I, that's that's the side that I don't know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've coming across you. I mean, you you pretty much immediately were open, which is what that's what anytime that anytime somebody opens a business like that should be number one is communication right because if you the fact that you can communicate with me means you can communicate to your customer right you try or at least i feel that yeah way. Like, yeah and especially with doctors like you know we deal with a lot of foot doctors and and podiatrists and this and that and the very first thing i always ask them is like what's like how are they do they, do they communicate well you know do they is it just a means to an end or do they actually like explain to you what you're actually like what's going on with you and and what they're you know not only what they're trying to do with you but like what you need to see outside of their their business and um that was a good thing with you is like right off the bat you were you communicated and you were able to like relay to me in a very non like doctor educated opinion way i guess <laughs> that, uh, yeah no there's nothing worse than somebody using their using their knowledge as a weapon right to like elevate themselves above above somebody yeah or just it's just balance like sometimes there's just you know a lot of foot doctors come in and they're just like so they're like the ones they keep in the back you know yeah <laughs> it's like engineers it's like you never put an engineer out on the sales floor no absolutely they have not. no idea how to speak yeah but no, I think right off the bat, it was kind of nice to chat with you because you were, you listened first and you were able to communicate and just, and you were passionate about it, which is cool. Yeah, man. No, I love this stuff and I love helping people and love helping people move the way they want to move. So we'll dive into some of this other stuff, but you talked about music, literature, yeah. uh, philosophy. So I was a human being before I was a... So, yeah, I was going to say, so runner or whatever, anybody wants to, so I still am a human being top. What's, what's some of your favorite music? I I know. I'll put you on the spot, man. (laughs) I listen to to some really odd music. I mean, like most of the music I listen to is like lyrically driven. I'm not a musician. I know you were a musician, but you had a great voice. No, 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 no. But, but I, I get that. Like, yeah. Like I'll listen to some of the music my wife listens to. Yeah. Sorry, honey, but let's be honest. She listened to to teen pop music. Okay. <laughs> I'll listen to the lyrics. I'll go. This is garbage. Keith Urban or something. This is garbage. She loves Keith Urban. But I'll be like, Just this assumed. is this is garbage. Like these lyrics suck. Yeah. And I, then I'll show her some stuff that I like is very like well thought out. She's like, yeah. I don't even listen to the lyrics. I'm just here for the beat. She's a dancer, so I get it. Yeah. But my, like, my wife's the same. I gotta have a little more. She loves the like, the dance music and like the. She doesn't listen like really like hip hop or anything, but she loves loves like, like the techno and all that stuff. Which I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's just not me. Is there anything worse than mumble rap? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. There you go. (laughs) You're better off. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I listen. Most of it is. I mean, there's a certain amount of musicality that that I appreciate. Yeah, I, I'm drawn to like people that write their own music because sure. I feel like that's an art form. Hundred you percent. Know, just throwing somebody up on a stage and singing is a totally different thing. Um, lyrics. I mean, I, I I don't, you know, being like a amateur artist, I don't I don't really like art that's too 
clear and precise. Like uh, I like it for it to be very subjective and yeah. like uh, feels contrived. Yeah, and I just like you know like the artists and the musicians I listen to. Um, it's all like you you can take it so many different ways. I think that's life, right? Be, you you want to attach yourself to things that you can that you're not just like applying a tag to like sure. whether it's a person you know, if you meet a person it's like i can tag this person as this and say this is exactly what defines them or i can like leave it up to interpretation and sure uh i, I really love there's a musician called uh called there's a musician named sufjan stevens yeah and i love sufjan stevens very big fan of him yeah um uh, i think he's just like a genius and like I forgot the name almost, of the video. Almost every sense of the word, like yeah, like he's just everything he he does to me is just like so unbelievably like obscure, but it's just artistically it's on point, lyrically it's on point, but it's just his like conceptualization of his world around him and yeah. like these odd mythical stories he researches and, and then the writes albums about it. It's just like. I don't know. I guess it like takes you to another place, which is pretty cool. So interestingly enough, my first exposure to Sufjan Stevens, yeah. believe it or not, was on a wakeboard video. Wakeboard video? <laughs> yeah. His music was on a wakeboard video. Oh, was it? I yeah. mean, which is, I just very, thought it's very like at first it was like very Christian based. He was like a, yeah, he was like a, I think he was like in a Christian band or something originally. Um, but then it like evolved and that's what I've always loved about his music is it's like, you don't have to be Christian or have a faith because when you listen to his music, it's like, he never like applies the adjectives and Mm -hmm. verbs and stuff. It's just like left up to like, he could be speaking about anything. Yeah. And I think that's why, um, well, I think it's great. Yeah. No, music is awesome when you can bring yourself to it and, and take what you, what you need from it. Um, I've actually, it's really I used to, I love these guys and I forgot about them and I rediscovered them, but I'm a big Coheed and Cambria fan. I don't, I, I don't know much about, I mean, I know, I know all about them. Like I know their genre, Yeah. but, um, so I was actually just at a house party like a week ago and yeah. like they were all, they must, they were all like kind of hard rock, kind of punk kind of, cause it's kind of like, it's, so it's, it's, it's what you call prog rock or progressive rock. Yeah. Right. Okay. But what's interesting is his, every single album. So he has a whole, um, so he actually wrote graphic novels. The lead singer, or, uh-huh. or? Claudio Sanchez is okay. Claudio Sanchez's name. He wrote graphic novels about this thing called the, the, the Amory Wars. And he's created this whole like sci-fi, Okay. Thing. So there's and, like this whole other element to the music. Coheed and Cambria are two of the characters. Characters. Okay. And so every single album is the story. All uh, the way is through. Is that how this whole thing works? Okay. Yeah, just interest but it's interesting that his but then you can also take away whatever else you want from it. Yeah. Which, which so it works on a couple yeah. different levels. But just cool I just thought it's fascinating that this guy's got this whole mythology and like yeah. sci fi story that he's telling through music, which I think is incredibly yeah. talented and, and hard to do. Yeah. I mean times like these you need you need to like escape. Like uh Sufjan, maybe you knew this, but he just put out an album um a few weeks or it was him and another guy put out an album and it was like um they basically took a stack of like DVDs and like he he lived in New York City and he ended up moving. I don't know if he's still there. I'm assuming he's still there. He moved to like upstate New York, and him and this guy who's on his record label that he signed, um, 
did this duet album and he basically it's all based on on movies on films oh really so they watched like 15 or 20 films over like a two-week span and then like wrote an album about the the movies that they watched and like that's awesome but the cool thing was is is i know we're getting a little bit off subject but like no dude the, the cool thing was is like i i've always just been like super intrigued on like how his mind comes up with these weird ideas and stuff sure but i found out um that he they they like i don't know how he got it but he somehow came across this thing called um oblique strategies okay which was this like uh it was basically a musician like this english musician and brian eno who was in like some kind of like synth band he was like the and some people listening to this because i know you have this gigantic audience yeah was <laughs> he was Thanks in a, he was in like i can't remember which band but he was in like some he was like the, one of the original like synth what's the word i'm looking for like um kind of like electronica bands yeah. okay. um of like the early maybe late 60s early 70s oh, okay so he kind of helped start that genre he's sure. like the godfather of that okay well i guess he a few years into his musical career he like he basically like went sat down to write an album or like start writing an album and he like literally said like a like a like a brain blocker or uh, just he literally just could not there was like a roadblock yeah from a creativity standpoint so i guess he he got with his one of his guys in his band or his like whatever guitar player or something i can't remember what the story was but he basically like they came up with this like idea of like random things okay. to like incite creativity in the mind sure and they made this like deck of cards Okay. And it's like 500 cards or something. And it's basically like whenever you're in this like creative like stall. Yeah. You basically like grab this box and like you sit down with yourself or with like a band or with your business or with your family or whatever. Yeah. And the whole idea is like to get you to utilize your entire brain and look at things from the different standpoint. But it's like totally random stuff. Sure. It's, it's like, like. It's like a toaster. And- yeah. It'll just say like use use even numbers and that's it that's all they'll say on the card okay but it's just like the most random things but i guess like people all across the world have like Hmm. utilized it from like ceos of companies because it was like the way he ended up they ended up like conceptualizing um anyways off track but like I, i guess sufjan when they were up there yeah um, they brought these cards with them. It was like this old ancient set of cards okay. because they the cards go back like 50 years now or something and they're hard to find. Like Okay. Uh, so I guess they found this old dusty box somehow and like they use that through this album making process. So like I was like thinking of that when I was listening to the album and like just trying because there's some very odd elements of the, the album and like, but it's pretty it was just a cool i was like so i've been actually trying to find the cards yeah i bet if you find them let me know i'd like like to see them yeah i I was pretty interested in it but like he he wrote a song on on like um the silence of the lambs for instance there's a a song about it and you would never know right just listening to the song you would never there's little things where you're like hey isn't that a is that a a character i think that's a character but it's like beautiful and it's just like anyways no it's awesome that sounds like like well similar not well maybe not at all but 
you're thinking about something, trying to remember something, or you're trying to solve a problem, you go off and do something else, and then all of a sudden, yeah, boom, something will it pop just, into yeah. your head. Yeah, I mean, there is. I think we get we get so used to like seeing things in one uniform way that it's like whenever we do have a lapse, we don't know how to overcome it. No, it's interesting. There's a guy, uh, a guy I know. His name's Jared Moon. He runs a company called End of Three Fitness, okay. but he also does like some business coaching and some other stuff. And he's one of his things is he goes, when was the last time you were just still yeah, and quiet? He's like, take any problem you have and just sit in silence for five to 10 minutes. Yeah. He goes, it's uncomfortable, but I guarantee you, you will do a better job of solving whatever that problem is. If you just devote five to ten minutes of not just sitting, just sitting, yeah, not not listening to music, not watching TV. Yeah. I, I think I think in today's society, I think we, we we're always looking for a way to distract ourselves. Identity crisis. Maybe, yeah. I believe. Yeah. I mean, like it. Like if we have a problem, well, let's do something else. Like, yeah. When was the last time? I don't, you you might do this, but when was the last time you drove? without listening to a podcast or music just drove yeah yeah i mean yeah it's not very often i mean i uh, that's something i've actually been listening to recently was like i listened to this amazing page that's on like youtube that's just like to me it's like earth shattering just this guy that does these like essays on like films and like the philosophy of film and stuff yeah um and i could just listen to this like while driving or in my AirPods or something. Um, but I just listened to this one on like identity crisis and it's like, it, he like got together with this like uh, Swedish philosopher or something. And they just like came up with these vague like ideas surrounding like the three different identity crises that are like of the 21st century or, okay. the, you know, maybe especially like 2021 post COVID and everything. Or post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalypse. And, and it's like, it is crazy because, I, I mean, you're right. Like, it's, we're so scattered and we, for the first time, maybe not the first time, but it's just been progressing. But, like, it's like we all have so many options and we can be everything now or a little bit of everything. Yeah. And in the end, we're nothing. Yeah. We don't have an identity because, like we feel like we need to be everything. Yeah. And in the end, it's like, who can we be for ourselves, or like our wife or our husband or our kids when we, we can't focus on like one identity identity. It's like, well, yeah, no, uh, I, I, it, it's, it's, and I think if everybody's honest with themselves, like that's the truth, you know? Yeah. That's the truth. Well, a lot of people don't even are uncomfortable with who, they, they don't even know who they are, right? This is back to this identity crisis yeah. thing, which is interesting. One of the, That's one of the things I picked up. I think I sent essentialism, right? You did. I appreciate that. Which is... I've gotten like two chapters in. That's that's fine. I like, no, I'm like, i like, I keep looking at it. I'm like, I need to get another chapter in, but I'm like, I need to be able to focus. Yeah. Because I have an identity crisis. Like, I am scattered. I'm all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah. Well, so those of you guys don't know what we're talking about. Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by George McCune. Fantastic book. Um, but the gist of it is that right, the essentialist pursues less and actually considers more because you're not running around trying to be all things to all people. 
right? It's trying to find the essentials. Yeah, because that essential really is just one thing. What is essential? We've we've now created this whole thing around essential. Everything's essential now. Yeah. Right. But but in actuality, in our lives, there's only a few things that are really essential. And as I kind of went through that book and worked through that book, one of the things that I really came to was there's really four areas for me that are essential. My my relationship with God. Um, my relationship with my wife and my child, right? My family relationship. Yeah. And that's, that's specifically just my wife and my kid yeah. and my son, right? Like I've got a huge family, but, but the essential relationship now is, is them. Yeah. My business. Yeah. Because that's how I provide for everybody. Yeah. And my, and my health. Yeah. And, and now it's interesting. I look at everything through this lens of somebody brings me an opportunity Somebody brings me something to do, even whether it's go do something with people. Yeah. And it's, okay, is this going to further those one or all or yeah. some of those four areas? Yeah. And if, if it's not, then generally the answer is no. And, yeah. and if I have the time, the available time, and those four areas have been taken care of, and this is something that maybe, hey, I'd like to do, then I can... But, I consider it through those four lenses. And then if I actually have the time to do that, when, yeah. then I can say yes. But it's interesting. I've actually, yeah, I, I really do. You, you consider more and, and you get a, a lot more of the meaningful stuff done. Well, maybe that's the whole, maybe that's what they're also trying to get into the book. Maybe once I get into the middle of it. But it's like, I think what society does is, is we, we probably know what the essential things are. Mm-hmm. And we intentionally string ourselves in a million different directions because it's hard to focus on the essential things because you don't get the immediate gratification. It's work. Yeah. And we don't have to. It's no different than with PT. Yeah. It's no different with recovering from an injury. It's no different than with running. Yeah. Improving your running. Like, and and I think we don't, we try to distract ourselves from those things because we don't want to look at them. We don't want to look at what a mess they might actually be. And if those areas, the essential areas of our life are really in shambles, then... I mean, you can only control yourself, too. It's like funny because you mentioned the family thing, and it's like I have this weird notion, and I know it's oddball and and not the norm. But, like, you know, everybody's got a family that runs the gamut of, like, the spectrum of, like, you got one part, one member of the family that everything looks hunky-dory the other part of the family nobody talks about and it's like every family has that right and it's all relative to maybe the people within the family or maybe the immediate people around surrounding your family but it's like when you try to make your entire family your extended family everybody happy in the end you suffer for it because you can't i don't know i have this like because, I, I mean, everybody has well, problems within their family. My family has plenty of problems, and there's myself included. Dude, do you and, think anybody's family's perfect? Anybody out there who thinks somebody else's family is perfect, I'm here to tell you, you do not know them well enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess the point I'm trying to get to is, like, there's times when I meet people in life, and I'm like, this is who should be taking my energy. Yeah. Not because sometimes the ones that you love the most, you can't save. No. You know, like, I was just reading or like reading this excerpt from a river runs through it the book you know, like yeah the, the book that was made in the movie and and um they talk about in that they they talk about um 
sometimes like your brother, sometimes your daughter, your, your, your wife, whatever, they have this complicated story that was there before you met them. Mm-hmm. And you maybe, maybe you can never step in and maybe there's nothing you can do about that. You can't give them money. You can't give them support because like they're just, they're on this journey. And in the end, it may not work out in the way that you want it to work out. But when you're forcing them to change or you're forcing another human being to change, it's like you're asking them to change their entire history. Yeah. Because their history, every emotion and every instance of their life made them who they are. So it's like you want to change the outward appearance or the outward issues that are going on. But what you're really telling them to change is who they are. Right. And um, I don't know where we were going with that. No, but it kind of sounds like the only thing, yeah, the only thing you can control in any relationship is yourself, is your behavior in that relationship. And people are either going to accept what you're trying to give them or they're not. And if they don't want to have that relationship with you, then don't try to force it and don't try to make them have that relationship with you. I, last year, actually, my mantra was not my monkey, not my circus. Like, like it's a thing now, right? The mantra thing. Yeah. But it was just kind of like, that that was sort of like my rallying cry for the year. I was like, I can't fix this. This is not my monkey. This is not my, that's not my circus. Like I don't, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard because like with COVID and everything, like even at our, at a store level at our store, you know, I think I was telling you, like, we never close. We never really had to close. Yeah. Luckily, luckily for us, like, you know, we were essential. Um, but through all of that, you learn not only how screwed up yourself, how screwed up we are. Yeah. When blank hits the fan. Right. But, like, you realize, like, just how, like, just disconnected everybody is, whether it's families society this and that because like through the pandemic it was just like i remember i I literally would drive into work um there was a handful of times when i would drive into work i'd be driving down val vista which is a street over here in arizona arizona yeah because i know we're hitting like australia and and all those different (laughs) he's too kind uh, man zimbabwe um nigerian prince is listening yeah in the middle of like the first few months into the pandemic, like there was at first it was like, and this is, this was me, but it was like, oh, we're going to be fine. This isn't, this is going to blow over and this and that. And then like, as the days started turning into weeks and, and like, then the toilet paper was gone Yeah, and the toilet paper was <laughs> gone and like, yeah. Um, and the streets started getting emptier and, and, and like, it was wild. People looked- started disappearing and like, and, yeah. and you, and I, and like, there wasn't a lot of people driving to work. There was barely anybody driving to work. It was weird driving in the middle of the day and there it's, was nobody. It straight up looked like I am legend out there for a while. Yeah. And I would drive down Val Vista. This is back two years ago or whatever now, almost two years ago, where before they were building when I was at. And it was just like these desolate fields of dirt and like caterpillar tractors sitting there vacant and this and that. And I remember just like one day or it happened for like a couple of weeks in a row, but I just like broke down crying. Yeah. Cause I was like driving South and like, I was just like looking at like everything it took to get me myself where I was at, but like the country, you yeah. know, our societies, our state, our town, this specific town. But like, I was just like, man, this is just like too much, right? Like, cause yeah. it's just like with everything going on, like this is just, it's just too much. It was heavy. Know? And like anybody that cares, you know, business owners, yeah, 
teachers, who nurses, everyday people, who if you care enough, then like it was hard. Yeah. It wasn't like let's go hole up and like collect a check. Right. It was like somebody had to keep society going and somebody had to like see through that. And I remember like um driving into work and like I was just like I I was like I was like imagining myself like you know, or some kid in like a hundred years reading a history book in history in high school or middle school and like thinking of like reading the chapter on, on, on 2021 on, 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 the, on the pandemic. <laughs> and like, and I was like, you know what, we can either choose to like isolate ourselves and separate ourselves, or we can take this as like a once in a lifetime opportunity to like build this country back up, build ourselves up and like provide some type of hope, you know? And, yeah. and luckily for me, like I was able to stay open. So I tried yeah. to like, when people would come in, I was like, I don't want to talk about the mask. I don't want to talk about this and that. Some people would insist on talking about all that stuff. Sure. And I was just like, it's just, I don't care right now. I just don't care about any of that, you yeah. know? And uh, so, yeah, it was exhausting. I mean, there was... Oh, you know, it's... It was absolutely... I mean, I would come home just like exhausted because I had to hear it all and I had to feel the weight that was on everybody. But there was like this beacon of hope of like getting, having the opportunity to like you know, there might be one glance as they're walking out the door, just as you say something to them. And it's like, you know, that like you might've gotten through to them and it yeah. might've eased this Some. woman's household situation or her mind for a given day or, or a guy that's coming in and, and worried, you know, cause we had people coming in and talking about losing jobs and this and that. And that was heavy. Yeah. You know, it still is. It's You're still, like, maybe still. I won't sell you these shoes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, maybe not. I said, my family still got to eat. <laughs> but no, like I was doing home health during that time. So I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't open doing my private Yeah, I think I practice. remember you were doing a lot of like tele, tele. I was, I was going to people's houses still. So I was, oh. and I was working with people that were like in their seventies, eighties, nineties that were kind of by themselves. And yeah. so that was, those people really looked forward to having somebody, somebody come care about them and help them get stronger and do yeah. that. Right. So. No, I think there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of, and what's sad and got lost, I think, in the, in the legacy media coverage of all this was those stories. Yeah. Right. We got the doom and gloom, Mm -hmm. right. Every day with the the death counter going up and right. And, and this grocery store was overrun and everybody was being assholes and right. Like all of that we got all that but we didn't get the stories of this guy helped his neighbor yeah exactly this guy this guy's driving around he's he's seen 12 people today out of the back of his car going and giving health and yeah. adjusting people and or, yeah this guy's train, and yeah this guy's stopping by and he knows that there's this old lady who lives in his neighborhood so he's going and dropping off meals just cuz yeah. right like that kind of stuff got lost yeah. but you guys i mean running helped i mean you guys were providing value i mean running helped a ton of people yeah to get through it it did mentally physically because all the gyms were closed right there were a lot of people that started off running yeah i mean yeah we i mean we had we still have new people you know new runners coming in or most of them are walking you know which Uh you know you got to move yeah i'm currently walking calories a calorie if that's what you're looking for but movement is movement and like what we're trying to do right right can move better both of us movements medicine baby get a daily dose motion is lotion but uh um, works on a few levels you know it, it 
COVID did. It pushed a lot of people out into the world that, that, you know, in in the end, you know, that's what I was just saying to my sister on the phone last night, because we were talking about all this. and, And I said, you know, like, that's what this should be doing is this should be reminding us that there's no like magic wand. You can just like want, you know, wave over your life. That's going to like make you, you know, overcome these things that are going to come in life. Like you have, it's survival of the fittest. That's a real thing. That's real, you know, and it's of mind and it's of body and it's easy because society just makes it easy for us to, take a pill to lose weight and to like use a filter to make us look good on this and that. And it's like only we can look in the mirror at night and know that like, there's just no easy way to true health. And well, and that was the other thing, right? Like through the pandemic and, and I'm not trying to get too overly political, right? But like it was stay away from each other. It was don't go outside. It was, yeah, ordering crap food right like sit around on your couch and binge tiger king although tiger king got me through a few days but uh still never seen it good for you don't you're better off you're better off i'm too cheap to get netflix or whatever it's on no trust me you you don't you're far too you're far too sophisticated for tiger king but like but nobody was saying hey take vitamins Right, like yeah. take your like take vitamin D, take zinc, take magnesium, yeah. eat whole foods. Yeah, go outside and run. Yeah, right, like yeah. be healthier. I think some people took that opportunity, right, because they had time off work and things. I think they took that opportunity to get healthier. Yeah, but but you're right. Like our our medical system is so reactive. It's oh well, my blood pressure is now high. Yeah. So here's this blood pressure medication, right? Yeah. Oh shoot, you have a side effect from that blood pressure medication. Cool. Here's another pill to take care of that side effect. Oh, that one gave you a different side effect? Here's another pill, right? Yeah. Let's give you some diabetic medication, some metformin. It's not, Yeah. doctors don't go like, hey, how's your sleep? What's your diet like? Oh, your blood pressure is not high, but some of these other healthy this lifestyle choices you're doing, yeah. you're on that road. I'm going to prescribe you vegetables these start taking these vitamins that you're not getting and i'm going to prescribe you exercise well that's the sad thing is like at times you know we'll have people come into the store and and i'll be there and i'll see it happen or i'll be even helping them and like you know you don't want to say it to them but you're just like man you're so you're so behind the eight ball like yeah this this shoe or us doing an analysis this and that it's going to help but like it's 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 amazing because like there's so much information out there and there's such a quick you know uh, fix to it whether it's our phones or whatever and i mean that that's probably a whole nother problem for a whole nother podcast but that's like how do we get this info to 70 80 year old people that don't have the internet or don't know how to use the internet but they were starved for knowledge their whole life and never really had the opportunity to find that. And they're, what are the, now they're having to find it in the way that they knew how to do it, which is go talk to people, which is great and yeah. beautiful. Or um, jump on but, or watch TV, right? Yeah. Watch like Fox, why, Fox News or CNN. Yeah. But they're not going to, nobody's telling them to be healthier. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, 
I'm still stuck in the ways that my mom and dad raised me, right? 100%. And they're still stuck in the ways that their mom and dad raised them. I'm always just like, you know, I never look back at like the way my mom and dad brought me up. I was like, of course it wasn't perfect. Nothing ever is, but I, that's, I've always looked at life that way. Like that nothing's yeah. perfect. Right. And like, but like in this, it turned instance, out all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like in this instance, in my, in my mind, it's like, you know, like we ever, we, we have to do better at it. Like getting to the elderly or getting to mm-hmm. to the to the older generations of like people that are, you know, because it can't just all fall on our shoulders. You know, you can go out and you can yeah. provide your services to some, you know, elderly person that has maybe given up hope most to a certain them, extent. Most of them have. A lot of them have, yeah. yeah. And I can do it the best I can with like trying to, I mean, like motivate them when they're in the store and this and that. But in the end, it, we're all going to fall back on our like bad habits, and it's and like I think that's that's kind of like life is like if incidents don't occur early on in life, I feel like it's like we just we do we become <laughs> privileged, and like we are privileged. We're all privileged in a lot of different ways. If you, if you live in the United States, regardless, we're very of, privileged. Yeah, if you live in the United States, regardless of whether you're white, black, brown, green, yellow, yeah. red, yeah. pink, whatever. You're privileged. We have privileges. Like you're the, some of the poorest people in America are, go anywhere else in the third world? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, they got dirt floors and they don't have a refrigerator. They don't have a, an $800 computer well, in their pocket. And it's not always materials. Well, no, 100%. You can, no, you I get that. You also be poor of mind. Yeah. No, you know, for sure. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. But I'm just saying, be, like on a some level, yeah. right? Like everybody, like being oh, yeah. just being relative. here, yeah, is a privilege. Yeah, like being in the United States. Well, and be and and it's a privilege for us to have live in a democracy like we do, where we can actually we have the privilege of of thought, and that's some, hopefully something that's never taken away from us. Because like, yeah. what's more important in the end is it materials or is there a mind? And our, mind, yeah. and, 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 you know, and knowledge 100%. and like, and anyways, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I so, deal with it a lot with, with a lot of like the older folks, especially in Queen Creek cause it's, you know, you got a bunch of old, old cowboys, time, man, old, old cowboys. <laughs> and, but it's like, I, I never back down from an opportunity, you know, to just like, I try not, you know, we got a lot of old white guys coming in and this and that coming in and it's, and, and yet. And you, you, it's easy to fall into that. Like this guy is gonna have this mentality, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm too old for this now. Like, yeah, I I can't I can't apply that to people because I don't want them to apply it to me. So, and you might be pleasantly surprised by some of them. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, and that's yeah, we ha- I have been. I mean, I've had tons of people come in, and and there are staunchest followers now, and they would do anything for us, and they support us financially, and and. And you would just never think that. And that's the whole goal. And that's the point of social media. And the point of like the, the ability we have now is to like not just see it on our phone, but like act on it, filter yeah. through it, filter through the garbage and like well, that's, act on it. And that's one of the things I think has been really cool about your store is not just your, it's not just a store, man. You guys are, you guys are a piece of, you guys are part of the community. Like, they, you guys have your biweekly runs, right? You guys do a four silos brewery in Gilbert, Arizona. 
Yep, it's a great place. Awesome place. You guys had a huge turnout for your Christmas light run. Yeah, we had closing in on probably, I mean, I think we had about 80. I mean, close, almost 100 people showed up for that. That's awesome. Yeah, it, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's... Well, that's a testament, right, to you, like, because you, you're not, that's what I think is great, is you're not just interested in having a store. Like, yeah. at least that's the, that's, that was my experience when I got there. Yeah. And looking at how you run your business and how you treat people in there, because I, I had the opportunity to watch you work with a couple people before we got a chance to talk, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it's, it's about building a community. And I think that's also what's really cool about, I mean, running, it's a definite community. But, so how did you end up? Because you told we were talking ahead of time, and, and you've already you said it too, like earlier in the podcast. In this, start talking. You don't you didn't identify necessarily as a runner, and you told me you didn't even get into running till later in life. Yeah. So How did you like? How did you get into running? What were you doing before that? You know, um, it's kind of a long story. We got time. Um, I got time. You got time. I got time. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I played sports growing up. I were five kids in my family. There was three boys, two girls. And uh, how many kids are in your family? Seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah, four, bo- five boys, two girls. Okay. Then you, you know what it's like to be a boy. Yeah. In a family full of boys. Yeah. Right? You, you know what it's be, what it's like to be a boy in the eighties. Yeah. So like a lot of a lot of standing around the kitchen with shirts off, posing. Yeah. Exactly. Flexing muscles and yeah. trying to compete with my Marking older brothers. Off your height on the uh, on the wall with a pencil. Yeah. But like, um, yeah. I mean, I can't negate the fact that like my brothers growing up in a household with a lot of boys and a lot of tension and aggression and, and everything, you know, just growing up in that situation, I was competitive, Hundred percent. but I was never, you know, I was always like the more shy one. Like I was a little more like cerebral, you know, mm-hmm. and more artistic and this and that. Sure. And like, and just so you know, my brothers used to call me Mr. Dictionary. So did you? yeah, I was, uh, yeah. Well, I think I just, I immediately like when I wasn't as good as my brother, Yeah, it was like, what else can I be good at? Right. Sure. Like it was, so it was like, well, I can be a better artist. I can yeah. do these things that the, that the outcasts do. Right. Um, but I mean, I, of course I still tried of course. and it's weird because now grown up, like and looking back athlete. on it all, I mean, I, I probably am. I mean, I'm the strongest. <laughs> I'm probably the overall, the, I don't know, whatever. Maybe I'm the best athlete in the family. It's here. But I'm, I'll say it for you. It's, it's kind of weird because in the end that shaped who I am today, which is when I realized I wasn't going to fit in. I didn't take it as like, I'm going to continue to try to fit in. I'm going to be miserable because of it. Right. I tried to like broaden my ideas of like, what else can I do? Right. And like, and like, so, um, to continue on there, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I played all the traditional sports growing up, basketball and football and baseball, and was never really good at it. Usually got cut from all the teams. And we had a pretty competitive little region there in, in Oregon. Oh, that's right. You grew up in Oregon. Bay, yeah. Oregon, yeah. And, like, it was, like, super – it was it was really cool. Like, when I look back on it, like, I never – like, people are like, oh, you grew up in Oregon. You must be liberal and this and that. And I'm like, I, I don't – I mean, I don't even know – I didn't even know what that was yeah. until I moved to Arizona. Like I was in Oregon. It's a big city. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're, it was, it's a small little town um, known for being the, the birthplace of Steve Prefontaine. Um, runner will know that name. There you go. Um, but it was, like, this super blue-collar, 
like the fishing industry was was commercial fishing industry and the logging industry was like what drove the whole town you okay know? so it was like it, it was just if you wanted anything you had to work hard to get it yeah um and i think that that just the scenery i mean it's oregon so it's like beautiful it's, it's gorgeous but it's a little it's a little depressing right? sure it's, it's, a depressing it's anything place. like seattle yeah i don't know i couldn't do it but I mean, I didn't know any better, but it was, it just like shaped who I was, which was like, you work hard, you know, you may not get everything you want in life, but you, 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 you work hard for, for what you do get and you support yourself through that hard work. Yeah. And, but like my mom, like my dad was a commercial fisherman for okay. 35 years. He had salmon fishing boats and, and this and that. And. Didn't really know him, honestly. Didn't, he was gone never out really of, knew my dad. Out I mean, see a whole bunch. Yeah, it's, it's and that's again that that shaped me. It shaped yeah my competitiveness because I had to find it somewhere. And yeah. I found it in Michael Jordan, and I found it in in like uh, Michael Johnson and all these like idols of like the athletics field. Uh, but I was like, but in the end, that all like just made me want to all, not only always shoot for some type of greatness or whatever but it also like kind of kept me grounded at the same time right and um i think i i is is you know it's kind of i mean oregon in general but but coos bay it's it's kind of dwindling like all the other small towns in the country right i mean it's still got its vibe and it's still like a beautiful place but like you know, now it's looked at as these tiny towns that are just dying off well, across and the country. Right. And I'm sure logging's probably not it's as prevalent pretty, as yeah, it was it's, when it's it, pretty much done. back then. And the fishing industry has just been decimated by all different kinds of factors yeah. and this and that. That's like Superior and Globe, right? Yeah, it's how, no different. Like yeah. they were huge. They were like boom towns for a while because the mine, yeah. Oh, yeah. mining, mining was huge there. Yeah. And now the mines are not a big deal. Yeah. Once the resources are gone, yeah, it's like everybody moves on. People gets kind of left. Yeah, and like that's when I I moved here. It's like uh, Goonies, man. Yeah, you grew you grew up like the we're Goonies. We're not, we are not we're good old one eyed Willie, <laughs> one eyed Willard as I call him. Um, yeah, so like uh, it, I, it was a beautiful place to live. I always say like my mom and dad had like hippie friends. Sure. That we were kind of knew were like the kind of hippie friends, and then they had like their more like whatever buttoned up friends i guess you could say sure but like we never knew it was just like everybody just worked together like, yeah well, because when you're living in a in a place like that you have to you yeah have, you don't have time to yeah everybody was connected everybody knew each other like it's a random story really quick but this lady no. this lady came in the other day and i overheard her talking to one to my the manager at the store and i heard the word tuesday and he's like he points over to me and so i walk over there and and he's like um she, uh, her husband was working for the Coast Guard. I guess she worked for Coast Guard in Coos Bay. So I start oh. chatting with her, and uh, and it turns out she lived in Coos Bay for seven years, a tiny town up in Oregon. That's awesome. And uh, and I was like, oh, I was like, he worked for the Coast Guard. I was like, well, the Coast Guard picked me up. <laughs> Did they? Nineteen ninety five. They picked me up. Literally, I was out on a raft. Like literally, how? literally, almost drowned, died. Did you make a raft? It's a long story. We I. My buddy and I, we lived just across the bay, and we hiked down to the beach with this crappy raft that we had just, like, found. I don't even know how we got it. Um, didn't have any oars, paddles. Okay. So we took a football first down marker, like oh, paddle kind of style first down marker, and a shovel, and literally 
Um, <laughs> literally tried to go across the bay. I actually, I'm a horrible swimmer. I, I've never been. Oh, really? I grew up in Oregon. You don't get swimming lessons in Oregon. They just I guess throw not. you in the water. And, yeah. Um, but anyways, make a long story short, we tried to paddle across the bay. Um, he jumped off the boat and tried the best he could to swim across through the current, which was taking me out in the Pacific that Ocean. The water's so cold, too. He ended up making it through and wow. ran hundreds of yards away as fast as he could to the, the, um, to the uh, Coast Guard. And I disappeared. And literally, not a true story. I'm not exaggerating. Those, I, di- I disappeared dude, those currents. into the Pacific Ocean on a tiny raft that was taking in water. <laughs> and I was on the raft. I actually I dove out of the raft and attempted to swim to one of the final docks that I was passing before I literally went out into the bay. And I actually, I actually, to this day, I actually, I was like, I don't know how I made it back into the raft. I thought I, I, I like literally was like a, I thought I was dead. Like oh, I thought I dude. drowned. Somehow made it back to the raft, pulled myself in. Anyways, the Coast Guard found me out there. <laughs> and um, this lady, uh, her husband was, was there. Was one of the Coast Guards? I No, I don't know if it was him. Oh. She, that was the years that he was working there. So it was Duh, like this random. I couldn't, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyways. Dude, um, that's, a fa- that's a great story. So I just grew up very, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I grew up just very competitive. And then I, uh, I always just, there was always like an itch. I always, I, I knew I was really athletic and I was just like, why? There's just like nothing that I'm that good at though. Like yeah. I was okay at basketball and, and this, and I could run fast, but I, you know, I, I wasn't going to run in college, you know, and this and that. Um, and it was all sprinting, you know, right? And I, this and that, whatever, but, um, just never good enough. And I just kept searching and for that competitive itch, man. That's kind of what you do is you just kind of, you keep searching until like, until you evolve. Well, and that's, that's what, what but I was that's what, to Like do. some people have that competitive thing, right? Like I was talking with a friend the other day and he was just like, I have nowhere to put. Like, he's like, I just realized I don't have anywhere to put like that competitive drive. Right. And I think, I think it's important. I don't know. I think as men, I think we're hardwired for that. I think yeah. that competition. Of course. And if we don't, tap into that from time to time yeah you, well i think what, you lose a piece of what it, at least for me what what means bio be, yeah the, like the biology human biology yeah, the human biology of, of like a male, being a man and a female I yeah mean, and, and i'm not saying that women don't have that yeah. competitive drive yeah. right because we, yeah. we clearly see it but yeah. like yeah guys i agree i mean and i think what what society does is they tell you like the only way you can be competitive is if athletics or right. lifting weights or this or in business. Yep. And it's like, no, that's, that's not, that's yeah. not where it begins and ends. Like it, it, society tells us that. And then we as able-bodied humans choose to only listen to that. But it's like, no, you can evolve yeah. and you can you be can. competitive through knowledge of yourself or knowledge of others or knowledge of other cultures or you can be competitive in whatever you know who's to say that compete on jeopardy i mean like, look at like jean the baptiste or something yeah. or 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 saint michael or something it's like what were they known for in the end were they known for how good they were how fast they could run or were they known for like what they gave to the world yeah they were being you com- can be competitive in giving sure and in building human beings up I agree. And 
it's we, we pigeonhole ourselves when it's just like to physical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You, we see it with athletes, right? 100%. They, once they lose that, once they, they lose have a major injury and they're just like, I don't have an identity. You, I yeah. have no identity. Oh no, outside. I see it all the time. Yeah. But, and then it affects their family and it affects this and that. It's, yeah, I mean, you have to see it, right? I'm sure yeah. you've dealt with actual people, professional pe- athletes. People that, who never get injured, who are able-bodied, and it's their first real major injury, they're absolute head cases. So that's a we precursor to the next question, which I can I have written down here. Oh, what, what's that? Like, <laughs> so that, well, the only reason I say that is I've never, I mean, so I, I, I don't know, maybe I told you the story of like, my accident and everything no i so. actually have no idea yeah, and, so. I, and i've never i've never wanted to ask because i just yeah. didn't yeah it's so. like i knew you well enough to to broach that topic yeah so when i was so i was you know, i guess it's going to kind of be a multifaceted approach to this question but like so when i was six years old i uh, lived in coos bay my brother and i went uh we i mean <laughs> hope my mom doesn't listen to this but i, I still don't know why my mom let us go both ride on a bike down to the neighboring like yeah. football field because it was the 80s man it was the 80s yeah <laughs> um but anyways like so my brother would have been nine he would have just turned nine i was six okay really just turned six but anyways we're riding our bikes down to the neighboring um elementary school from what i remember correctly to go play football early in the morning going down this hill um i was we were both riding on the bike i was riding like I don't know if I was on the handlebars or in like and the f- sitting on the seat with him, um, but anyways, don't know how it happened. But there is this part where we crossed over a highway, and uh, there's really where's a really there's not a blind turn or anything. It's still to this day. Um, it's another thing that I need to talk with my family about. But um, <laughs> basically, I took it. We took a truck head on right there. Like we somehow crossed into the intersect into like a and it wasn't even an intersection it was just a, a highway with a with a stop sign but our throughway holy cow and uh yeah somehow we went through that roadway into the highway and took this truck head on how fast do you guys have I don't know idea? i mean it was coos bay oregon i was probably going 20 miles an hour i mean it's like a tiny little sleepy little town but a six-year-old had taken a yeah. 25 mile an hour truck to the yeah, face and, I, and, it, and it, we were it was right we where the intersection is it's right um cross like right at the bottom of a hill so oh, geez. He, if he was coming whatever southbound on on this highway who knows he could have been going 50 miles an hour but holy crap uh, man anyways Truck hits us. Um, for the most part, my brother walked away unscathed. No, really, literally, from everything I know, no signs of anything. Jeez. Um, but I took it head on. Like, so I shattered my, I mean, I think, I, I don't know what the count was. I got to get all this out of my parents before they pass on. But, like, it was like my skull was shattered in like 30 different places. Well, my yeah. orbital bone was all shattered. So, yeah, I mean, you've seen like a, if you've seen, you know, like the anatomy books or whatever, yeah. there's a bunch of these things called yeah, like sutures. The sutures. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah my wife's a funeral director. Oh, so is I know she? All, I know all about that. Oh. So, yeah, dude, you take that in the face. Bro, yeah. They all like, just, they just shatter. Boom, blow apart. Yeah. It, it pretty much, I mean, everything shattered. I don't know. You know how you kind of hear stories and sure. everything's kind of dramatized or whatever but according to my dad 
like the first lady on the pretty, scene. Pretty hard to dramatize taking a. F- you, yeah. you, I mean, it needs oh, it no em- it needs no embellishment. <laughs> it gets better. So, like, according to my dad, the first uh, person on the scene was an off-duty nurse. Okay. And blessing number one, uh, check. Yeah, and I don't know. So we lived maybe like two miles away, and I'll speed through this. But like, basically, no. like, first person on the scene was a nurse. She came on the scene, saw, I mean, the guy stopped. The guy didn't take off or anything. Um, Small town, decent people. Somehow, I think my dad says that he had just like some notion of something. But then he heard a siren. Oh, yeah. And his like fatherly, you know, instincts um, turned on. Well, he gets in his truck, drives down the road. As he gets a mile away, sees like some lights. Um, He pulls up on the intersection he sees my brother on one side of the road with people all around him. He sees me laying on the other side of the road. Nobody around me. Dude. He runs over to my brother. I can't imagine. And uh, yeah, he runs over to my brother and he's, and uh, I don't know if my brother was coherent. Well, supposedly, yeah, he was. He runs over to my brother. I guess he looks at this lady and he says, and he looks over at me and she's like, don't worry about him. He's gone. And he, and he's torn. And my brother, he goes down to my brother and my brother says, don't, don't wor- go to me, go to Logan. Yeah. My brother, Brian. Don't worry about him. He's gone. And that's literally what the nurse said. The nurse said she be. literally came over my body. And I guess I was just like in a pool, literally a pool of blood. And uh, she said, we need to focus on him. He's gone. So I guess my dad, my brother tells him again, go to Logan. And uh, so my dad comes over there picks me up he says like he was wearing like a white shirt he was just like you know his whole shirt was just covered in blood he finds out i'm alive holy crap um so anyways the they rush me to the hospital they fly me up to portland and uh i spent i don't know what the exact date was i basically went straight from multiple surgeries whatever and you kind of hear the same old song and dance they were like you were millimeters from being brain dead which i'm sure was true um but but anyways uh i spent months i want to say i spent months in the hospital then i went to ronald mcdonald house up in portland and i was there for i remember it which i don't remember a lot but like i remember like seeing old ronald coming on and (laughs) coming into the lunchroom and and this and that but eventually uh what's that how was that when you realized like when you were finally coherent and understood a little, like that first moment where, yeah, when you're just like, when you understood what happened to you, I don't even remember. Okay. Yeah. To be completely honest. Like, I mean, I, I don't really remember anything in my life and it's my guess is it's probably mostly because of the accident. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So like from zero to it's weird. Like seven. I mean, I pretty much like chalk up, all the issues I've had in my adult life, like somewhat to the accident because it was just so traumatic. It was yeah. a major concussion, like the effects of it yeah. will never go away. And they've in some ways have gotten worse. Okay. Um, but um, there's huge part. I don't remember anything about the accident. I don't really remember anything about being in the, I remember like vague, very vague things about like afterwards and like rehab there, like the McDonald house. And, um, and I remember, I think I remember like drawing things in the hospital. I think I remember them like handing me things, but anyways, um, 
what the, how that kind of segues to the running store is real like, quick hats off to your plastic surgeon man yeah like seriously dude i know i look back on it and dude's I'm like, an artist like yeah like, yeah it was like like you was, look fantastic yeah appreciate it for that. having your face explode shattered yeah yeah and i and like i think about that all the time i mean when you're just like when you have a child in your hands dude and you're just like what do i do like i mean how do we even do this like i guess he's stabilized I'm like, I, I'm lucky to be alive. I'm lucky to have anything. Dude, I, I like, as you're telling that story, I was thinking like new dad, right? Six months. Yeah. First kid. Congrats. Bro. I, I almost start crying here thinking about that. Like if that was my, if I showed up on the scene and that was my son, like I can't imagine your dad. Yeah. Like, and have a nurse straight up tell him. Yeah. I'd be like, screw you. I'm going over there. He's fine. <laughs> We're going to go deal with this. Yeah. It, like, yeah, unreal. No. I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. But, yeah, like, it, it's tough. I mean, it's. But, dude, hats off to everybody involved yeah. in, in your recovery. And I'm sure you're dealing with stuff, but, like. Yeah. It, it, well, I mean, and how that kind of segued yeah, into Yeah, it's today the running is thing. like. And that's. Some people, I, I almost look back on what happened and I'm just like, I don't know if I would have it any other way. Like for the longest time I hated, I hated seeing scars in the mirror. Like, of course, nobody wants to, right? Everybody wants no, I'm everything kinda asymmetrical and everything. I, I mean, I, I get it. I, I want it. I, I, I want it yeah, in life like, too. I can't relate on the same level, but yeah. dude, I had my face ripped off by eight metal pipes. Like this was all yeah. the way down to my skull, right by uh, my eye, yeah, torn open here, there. here, there, and there. I had over a hundred stitches, nothing compared to what you had. But like, yeah. dude, it was the worst. Yeah, well, like, you just you know having scars all over your face at like twelve yeah. years old. It's, it's like traumatizing. Yeah, especially but, when you especially when you walk up on the girl that you have a crush on. Yeah, and she's talking with her friends. Yeah, and one of them goes, "I don't understand how you can like that Brig Woods kid. He's got he's all got a big scar he's got all those face. scars all over his face. He's ugly, yeah. dude. You know, that's rough. Well, that's, that's yeah. I mean, you'll never forget that. No. Well, and that's kind of. Let's segue. It's yeah. just like reality. It's like, yeah. and that's what you hope society is like constantly evolving from right. hearing these stories, hearing your story, hearing my story. But like what it did for me was, is it, is it, it's like when I look back on everything, like I, I was thinking this like yesterday, I think like driving home is like, who would we all be if like shit never happened to us? We'd be boring. Yeah. I mean, we'd be super boring. But it's like, would I, I, I wouldn't be the person. I mean, I, there's parts of me that I'm like, it's yeah. all post-accident. It's like, yeah, this is what I, this is how I developed post-accident. But I'm like, what parts of me existed before the accident? Yeah. Because most of it, I, I chalk up to like such a major experience in life, which we all have. Yeah. And we there's... have the opportunity. I mean, I, I didn't really have anything. At other, I mean, I just had to survive. And at that age, you're just sure. like, I'm not really like thinking about what's going on. I'm just like existing. But, like, I look back and I'm like, I, I don't know if I would have liked the person that I was if this didn't happen. Yeah. Because, because that's just me being honest. I, because I see society. I see people who were born with a silver spoon in their mouth or, you know, or, or just never were, were exposed to things and never had major traumatic issues or when they did happen they just avoided them or had any kind of adversity yeah like, yeah the adversity is just non-existent and it's like adversity. i, I kind of look back on it and like for the longest time i just i mean i never like i really for the most part i got over it relatively quickly but sure. like 
but um, it, it kind of just made me who I am. I think it drove me. Yeah. I, I've always told my and kind of like reason with myself, something happened. I don't know if it was born in me, but something has always just driven me to like, there's always like, there's something bigger, there's something deeper. And that's, yeah. that's you find it in faith or you find it in art or you find it in expression or you find it in love and relationships. And, and, and we're searching for something out there. And I'm like, I've always been like searching beyond comprehension at times. And it's, it's exhausting at yeah. times for me. It's exhausting because it's like, I, I think of that sometimes I'm just like, what, like, was it the accident or was it something that was always there in me that just like said, don't, don't waste a minute. Well, I, I would imagine fighting for your life at yeah. six and seven and eight years old, right? When you're starting to really develop your personality and who you are, I think that would have a major impact on and going, there's gotta be something. This has to mean something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, I, I think that would be a major shaping point in your life. And I think, yeah. And it's like, you don't wish that you don't wish no. those types of experiences on it, but at the same time, it's like Nelson Mandela, whoever it may be, yeah. people that have gone through these Gandhi. crazy s- situational things in their life. Like we would never be able to learn from them unless these things happen, but we also would never be able to learn from them unless they overcame them. Yeah. And we all have these like minute ways we can I, overcome like our lives and these things that happen to us. And with this, it just, it drove me to just like, I was at a job segueing into that question about opening the running store and running in general. Um, maybe I would have always been running from something. Sure. You know, I think with the whole idea, like you're running from something, runners are running from something. There's or, some truth to that. Or, or you're running to something. Yeah. There is, there's, you're running to something and you're running, like you're, you're, you're running to something. You're yeah. right. You're running to something. You don't have to be running from something. You could be running to something. Yeah. And, um, and it, in, in my situation, that just drove me to just never, like, I've just never wanted to waste one minute. I used to like lay in bed at night. It was like the weirdest thing. Cause I didn't really grow up in like a faith based household. Like right. my dad was uh, Catholic. My mom was um, Baptist. Dude, and you uh, moved to the Mecca of, 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 of Latter day Saintville, dude, you moved to, you moved to Utah South. Yeah. And like, and I know you're LDS. Yeah. Right? Okay. I mean, Brigham, go figure. Yeah. yeah, I know. I was just reading about Brigham Young the other day. Interesting cat. Yeah. That's a conversation for another time for sure. Um, but like, um, I was never brought up with faith and I was it. And there's, and there's pluses and minuses to that, right? Like you have a freedom of thought and then this and that, but I have plenty of people that are very devote, devoted. My wife is a very devoted Catholic. Oh, cool. And yeah. And it, I had to develop my own faith in the world, Yeah, you know, like, and that's a hard thing to do. And, you know, especially when you have issues in this and that you're looking for a foundation. And sometimes you find that in a faith or sometimes you find it like in the world and you find it in people and you search for it and you like shake and sift things until like, you know, the real things come to the surface and like, and that's kind of what I was forced to do at a very young age was like find concrete things that, meant something yeah 
because I didn't have it, you know? And, and I think everybody's searching for that and some people get that foundation. I think I wish a lot of people almost just weren't hand fed that because it would force you to really have to go like not only find faith in yourself, but like look for it in other ways instead of reading it out of a book and instead of just, you know, listening to a podcast or whatever it may be, it, it forces you to, to kind of really look at the foundation that the world can provide you like in a you different ever, lens, I guess. Do you ever listen or read anything Jordan Peterson does? I've dabbled. Interesting cat. Interesting he's, guy. He's very interesting. But guy. like he's got a whole book called Maps of Meaning. Okay. And breaking down these break going into like Jungian archetypes and yeah but uh, how yeah I've kind of I've kind of like I've watched some of his like YouTube stuff right but talk like talking about not even just from a not even from like a perspective of Christianity but how the Bible for him says is one of the most important books ever written Mm -hmm. because of the stories and the meaning that is found in what is what's there and what it can teach us regardless of your faith whether you're christian or buddhist or whatever Mm -hmm. but that also that we all are looking for some level of meaning right life is suffering and in that suffering we have to find the meaning there yeah yeah and it's when we find that meaning right that's what we then can put our life and well, it's like embracing the suffering, right? Yeah. You know, because like, there's the whole idea of some people or maybe like a like a nihilist approach or something, which is yeah. like, I wasn't born into this life. Like, yeah. I was I, just given this life. I didn't like, ask to be here. <laughs> I didn't ask to be here. You know, so you're trying to find that that like meaning. Um, it, it's yeah, that's tough. I mean, I'm like, you know, when we talk about the store, and like how I got to that point, and, and what we're talking about now is like. I pretty much, all those things just kept driving me. And I was just like, I was working this job, which was a great job, and I appreciated like everything I was given there. And I worked my way from the ground up all the way up to, you know, higher up in, in, in this position and was had the fruits of my labor were there. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't happy. And I wasn't, I knew, I just, there was just like, there's, I, I don't want to like boast about myself, but like I'm meant for more than this. Like there's, there's just more to my story and yeah. there's more to anybody's, anybody out there's story. And it's like, and in my story in particular, I was just like something always just like ate at me. So in 2012, not to get too far. Do we still have time? Dude, we got all the time <laughs> in the world, bro. I'm not, I'm not worried about time. Yeah. This is it that I'm enjoying this. Um, nice. So in 2012, I, um, I mean, this might be the bigger than my accident in all honesty when I look back on it. But, um, in 2012, I went to, I used to go to this tennis tournament out in Palm Springs. Um, is it the big, uh, BNP Paribas? Yeah, oh, it's not the Indian, Indian Wells. Yeah. Indian oh, okay. Wells, yeah. That's, yeah. mm, that's the layman term for it. Oh, it's is it? Yeah. BNP I don't Paribas. know. <laughs> I just know I worked with a guy who was the director of it, of the of rehab for the ATP. Oh, cool. And he had to bounce out to go to the tournament. Oh, cool. I so, probably know the guy. I followed tennis so deeply that like, I, I even Todd, know. His, I name's, even, his, his name's Todd Ellen Becker. Okay. I probably knew him from TV because I would see all like the PTs of the big tournaments yeah. coming out and like helping him on the court. And yeah, that's and him. Anyways, I, I, I go out there one year because I would try to go out there every year. And um, 
Uh, I stayed at my buddy Jason. Shout out to Jason Fox. There you go. Um, Better listen, cool, Jason, than share on, Coolest guy on earth. Um, anyways, I was staying at his house one night, and uh, I go to lay down, and I can't fall asleep. I don't know if I told you the story, but... Uh, no. Okay. This is um, great. And wasn't thinking anything of it. All of a sudden, like an hour or two goes by. Um, still can't go to sleep. Don't think much of it. A few more hours go by. I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, oh, it's like five o'clock. What the hell's going on Now it's here? maddening. Now you're just like, now you're just well, pissed. I'm like, and the tennis tournament's like, I'm there for like five days and it's like long days. Yeah. You know, I'm maximizing 12 hours out there on cool. the on the, uh, on the the tournament courts and watching every match, this and that. So I don't think anything of it. We go to the tennis tournament for the day, come home, um, go to go to lay down and go to sleep. I'm like exhausted. Can't fall asleep. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to fall asleep. You weren't doing drugs, right? No, no drugs. <laughs> no, Maybe had a few beers. <laughs> Definitely had I should have helped you sleep. A total quinta brewing there. but um, So two nights go by. Anyways, fast forward. I don't sleep for the entire trip. So like five straight nights, I'm just wide awake. Like, like you didn't sleep at all? Didn't sleep at all. How, did you start hallucinating? No, seriously, did you start hallucinating? No. No, Cause I like, mean, I'll, I'll get to that. I mean, okay, because I'm like, at least, like, everything I've read about, like, Navy yeah. SEAL Hell Week, those dudes don't sleep, they start hallucinating. Yeah, I think some of that's a little bit exaggerated, and I'll tell you why, but... Yeah. So anyways, I, I come home, I drive all the way back to Arizona, I'm just like, what the hell's going on here? Like, I didn't sleep for, like, four straight nights. Like, what is going on? Get home, go to lay down, don't sleep. So, um... I didn't sleep for, I mean, I throw this number out there and I don't, I can't pinpoint exactly, but I want to say I never slept for six months straight. No naps, no cat. No naps, nothing. True story. How'd you not die? Great question. I, it, I came home. It never stopped. I, I went to lay down in bed. Were you married My at mind, time? Um, Do you have yeah, we, had, we had just gotten married l- less than a year before that. Okay, so um, so like she was in bed and like going, what the? She was there. Um, I, I I would just lie down and like I I literally couldn't close my eyes. Like it was like I would literally just like lie there and like my mind would it was just like yeah never had happened my entire life. I'd ne- this had never gone on. I didn't, I was never like the greatest sleeper, but like no, this but... was totally different. Yeah. Um. So to to summar- summarize it, um, four days turned into five days. Five days turned into two weeks. Two weeks turned into a month. And here I am, married, a very stressful job. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, what is going on right now? Like, this is changing. You know, you mentioned earlier, like, people when they have a major accident or a, or a, athletes and they lose their leg or they or or they they can never play again and that just having something taken away from imagine your sleep the most like universal thing and the most common thing that a human being needs and and is given from i go to bed at eight o'clock between eight and eight thirty every night and i get up at four thirty like i i I make sure i guard my sleep yeah fiercely like it is eight hours for me or bust. Like occasionally I'll do like six, but dude, I can't, no, I would, I would, I'd lose my mind. Well, 
So at this point, everything's going through my mind. I'm just like, what's going on? I'm, I'm obviously dying. You know, that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. uh, if, if not dead already, is, uh, this, is, this, is this the other side? Yeah, so like uh, everything's going through my mind, right? But on top of that, I have the stress of life and of being married, being a husband. And, and luckily, I don't have any kids. But I was just like, and I and anybody that eventually might listen to this podcast, like they know it. There's people. I mean, this is inflicts so many people across the country, and it's like this. Un, it's like this unspoken, you know, disease and and whatever. But like, it was just, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute. I can't even explain to you. Like I would literally. I so like weeks. The weeks turn. Week all of a sudden turns into a month. Yeah. I'm changing my diet. I'm changing. My sleep pattern, I'm not ever on my phone. Did you take melatonin? I, I, I took melatonin. I took... Tylenol PM. Everything. Yeah. I took Benadryl. I took everything. Oh, and of course, I'm an athlete. I've never smoked yeah. pot. I've never done a drug in my entire life. So I'm, of course, I'm like... You're I, contemplating I it at this point. You're like, well, yeah, am I, I going to start was, smoking weed? It was starting to get to that point, yeah. but like... This is back before you it was know, legal and everybody was <laughs> still the devil's business then. Yeah, right. Um, still reefer madness. Yeah, so like I was just like, yeah, but being an athlete and being in control of your body your entire life, dude. When it's taken away from you, you, you don't just immediately jump to drugs. You're like, well, no. like I can fix this. Yes. So I was like, I'm not going to take any drugs. I'm not going to take this or that. Well, months turned into two months. And then it was affecting my job. Yeah. I, you, know, you brought up the hallucinations. I can only ever remember. I never saw a hallucination. I never, well, I can kind of rephrase that. Hearing voices and this and that. That's all BS. Like, I mean, maybe people hear it, but I was yeah. just like, people are like, oh, I stayed up for two nights and I had like hallucinations. I'm like, nah. no, you didn't. I was awake for, this went on for, this went on for three years, but I eventually got some relief, but that initial phase went on for it was like six, six months. Six months. I like I literally never slept for six months. Dude, how'd you how'd you get to sleep finally? Well, um, so one day I was driving down the highway. You would get back to the um, hallucinations part. I remember I like went to change lanes and looked like I was here. This huge honk, and there's like a car right there. Like, and I was just like, I just looked in the mirror. There was nobody there. Like, what? And then, like, a few days later, I'm, like, driving down the road. And, like, same thing. I almost run into a car. Like, so, like, all my faculties were all super slow. And maybe I was maybe I was hallucinating. Did you start missing time? At work? Like, would you just have, like, lapses in time where, like, all of a sudden you'd be like, wait, what? It's- uh, well, I mean, days turned into it. Felt like, it felt like a year. One day felt like a year. Dude. Like, literally, because I would just be, like, looking at my watch. And I, I was at work. And I, would, I hadn't told anybody. I didn't want anybody to know, of course, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I'm trying to figure out with myself. I didn't want to how'd admit you, anything. How's, how's your wife handling it? It was hard for her because, like, the personality that my wife is, she's, like, she's really never had any major medical issues, which is good yeah. and, and great and beautiful for her. But, like, she just didn't understand it. Right. She was just like, well, why don't you just go to sleep at night? Like, you just, just, you just need to, like, just, like, relax. And everybody, once I finally started to like let it trickle out, I like, started telling my close yeah. friends. They were just like, well, why don't you, I mean, just go to sleep. Like, just, and I'm just like, 
what do you think I'm doing? But like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, dr- I'm drinking pots of coffee at this point. I'm trying well, to stay awake. I'm going for a Guinness record, you morons. Of I course, know. I'm trying to get to sleep. Well, the weird thing was, is it that, that especially that first like six months, we'll, we'll just say, I had to dig so deep into everything about my body from the way my mind worked to the way I breathed. So like the things I saw during the day, I was just like analyzing every single thing about human life and about my own brain. And like, I learned so much about my brain because I was like, literally at the point, like I, I hate to say it, but it, it got to the point where I was just like, I, I don't think I want to do this. I, I don't think I can do this another day. I think I would rather die than do this I one more day. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that. No, um, I get it. Dude, that's, that's gotta be tort. There's, there's a reason why when we do, enhanced quote unquote enhanced interrogation mm-hmm. why they deprive people of sleep mm-hmm. it breaks you down yeah where you would rather give up whatever state secrets right yeah just so you could get some sleep so yeah six months of not sleeping yeah i'd be i'd be ready to slip my wrist and start doing push-ups in the bathtub it's a little bit morbid but <laughs> yeah it was a little out of hand there yeah but... sorry it's cross the line <laughs> we can edit that part out my just kidding. My wife is rolling her eyes right now at home. Now, so, yeah, it, it and that's what, uh, that uh, it kind of goes back to just, like, how much we're just, like, we, we don't realize what we have. Yeah. And in this instance, I felt like even with what happened with my accident, like, I was very grateful of life, and, and I was, and I was, like, super committed to trying to always be aware of that. But, like, yeah you can never be ready for like your very the very things that keep you alive like yeah it made me think about everything i was like if they can take my sleep away or if i can do it to myself like who's to say i can't just like make myself stop breathing right who the hell knows you yeah know? so i finally just gave up i mean i tried everything i i reached out i was like can i get marijuana you know i grew up in oregon i knew like well, all my brothers smoked pot like yeah they seemed to be fine I don't know, know where to get it so in Arizona. Like, I don't but. know where to get it. And I, I feel kind of like embarrassed as a man and this and that to like go get it. But I was just like, it was funny because back then I was reaching out to all these different doctors. Can I get like, what about marijuana for like, for sleeping and this and that? And like, it was still in that gray area. So they were just like, yeah, let's try this and let's try that. So eventually I gave in and eventually they prescribed me like antidepressants and I want to say like antipsychotics. Yeah. I eventually, like, because I was just like, I think this is it. Like, I was telling my wife, I was just like, uh, I remember I actually was literally sitting. Um, I was sitting in the downstairs, and maybe she doesn't even know this story, but I was, I think she does. I was sitting downstairs, and I think I left work. I kept finding ways to, like, leave work early and this and that. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting downstairs, like, on the recliner, just, like, sitting there in the middle of the day. And I just like had the phone, my like our phone in, in my hand, and I was just like trying to get the nerve to call like the suicide prevention line. Yeah. Because I was just like, I, like I think this is just it. Like I, I, I don't know. And I had looked it all up, and I was just like, I'm either gonna do it or I need something to like. And then because I they started to prescribe me medication, and um, it wasn't working, and I went to a sleep study. And then the, the funny thing is, is they hooked me up in the sleep study and you yeah. did all the things and 
go into this weird bedroom where sure. they make it look like your bedroom and it was super weird and odd they watch you through a two-way mirror yeah and, and they were like so they do that um they, they give me the results afterwards and they were like do you think you slept last night and i was like no i didn't and they were like well guess what and i was just like what and they were like you actually slept for three hours last night and i was just like that's impossible it's impossible it's impossible i literally like i could see i was awake all night yeah and they were basically like well you you do sleep you do like fade in and out you know it was was not restorative sleep it was not rem it was not you know this or that it was not deep sleep but you are sleeping so it's basically the way you're alive right now is you have been able to get like some restorative sleep but they're like we can't find anything wrong with you we don't know why you're not would your eyes stay open I mean, I would like close my eyes, sure. but like, I, dude, it, my ears would ring constantly. Like everything was going on. And I'm like, I'd like to believe that I'm the type of person that can really tap into what's going on in my body. And I, yeah. I don't care who you are when you're in that state. No, nothing's going to stop it. It was just like this wave that was an unstoppable wave that was crashing to shore and like no way out. Um, uh, yeah. So finally, when I had that phone in my hand, I was just like this is it. My wife came home. I didn't end up doing anything. My wife came home and I said, Michelle, you got to take me to the hospital because I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. So they admitted me to um, Osborne. Was it, is it Osborne? Yeah. That's the, that's the mental health hospital. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Scottsdale Osborne. Right yeah. There. Right there off Osborne. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's where they took me. Yeah. So, so I was just like, I can't believe this. Like my, I am on, I am rock bottom right now. Like, Dude, six months of not sleeping. Yeah, no. Yeah. You, that's but it, it was a lot to handle and like, yeah, everybody let people go through this in life. You know, like I was going through it and I was just like, man, this is like, this is how people end up in these places. Yeah. And I went in there and I went in there. My dad met me there and my fam, a couple of my family members were there. Well, what's amazing though is cause I, I've known a couple of people that have, had to go to Scottsdale mm-hmm. Osborne because just for one reason or another, they mm-hmm. they thought I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt myself. It's real life. And they call. And what's been interesting is because they, they didn't tell anybody ahead of time, right? Like that they were having problems. And what was what I found interesting, and maybe that I hope I hope this was your experience is you find out actually how many people really give a crap. Oh and, yeah. And how many people, dude, are like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, man. Like, and yeah. and they just and love and support you so yeah there's nothing like i don't do there's nothing wrong like i big ups to you for getting yourself there yeah yeah they checked me in they did the full questionnaire and they were just like well you're gonna sleep tonight that's for sure and i was i remember just thinking (laughs) we're gonna give you a horse drink well i was just like i remember when they told me that they're like you're gonna sleep tonight and i just remember like i was just like this is the greatest day on earth like this is truly the greatest day on earth and i was just like well what do you like how much? And they're like, you're going to sleep plenty. And I was just like, dude, it was, it was just like off, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like I was wheeled in. <laughs> just needle they to the brought neck. me in. No, I mean, it was just like a medic. It was just like a pill, but like, right. <laughs> dude, they pushed me in. It's a big open area. Yeah. And they, they just like shut the door behind me and they were just like, yeah, there's some recliners. You can hang out. And I just like look around. There's like, <laughs> they gave you like, your slippers, took your shoelaces. I had my slippers and they took the shoelaces away and like, I remember I was just like sitting there and I was just like, man, this is real, man. Like, this is, this is it. Like, yeah. this is, I'm in a 
an insane asylum. And In a mental uh, hospital. They called my name about 20 minutes later, and I walked over to the little thing, and nurse in her little nursing outfit opens the window and she's like here's me your little cup um here's some food and uh they do the thing where they made you like open your mouth and like move your tongue around like made sure you swallowed it maybe yeah maybe they did (laughs) sounds like you've sounds like you i've seen a few movies movies. (laughs) okay so anyways i i did sleep um and they released me late that next day Dude, how, bas- that, bas- how did that feel to, to like wake up the next morning after having slept <sighs> i don't remember honestly that's I mean, all right i just remember enjoying it yeah um i i remember lying down and thinking like when's it gonna come like when's it gonna come and then yeah. all of a sudden it was just like i woke up it was the next morning yeah, yeah. um anyways so they released they basically said we just don't have any reason to keep you in here. Like, yeah, this is what we suggest. This is your path back to hopeful, you know, recovery and this and that. So from there, I, I, I ended up seeing a, a therapist for a few years. Um, I went through like 20 different medications trying to find the right mix. They would, they were literally giving me some of the strongest antidepressants, the super strong like ambience and this and that and and yeah. and they were dipping just like into, they were probably like, dipping into the antipsychotics well too. exactly well the hard part was is they were like you're you're gonna sleep tonight and i would take it and i wouldn't Ugh. and i would like i remember when i would take these things that gave me all this hope of sleep and when i wouldn't sleep i was just like oh crushed that you're just crushed you know what i mean because yeah. you're just like so i you know i just had i had Everything was pulsating in me constantly. You know, when you're just in that state, like any little thing you feel, you're just like, yeah, this is it. Here it comes. This is it. Yeah. And uh, anyways, um, so it took about three years of different medications and different doses and this and that. And just immense patience and strength and immense hope. Yeah. I mean, it was just like all you could cling to was just like hope. Dude, how did you not give up? That's that, the thing for me is like, dude, how did you not give up? I don't know. Like, but like when I look back on everything, it's like that, that, not my accident, not any of the tr- other traumatic instances of my life. Like, I think that shaped me for the good and the bad. Like, there's parts of me that were lost that I'll never get back. Like, yeah. just like emotions. Like, you know, it affected my marriage, you know, severely. A hundred percent. Because, like, you know, my wife she she just wasn't built she didn't know how to deal with it yeah you know no, tr- nobody's equipped to deal with that yeah nobody is and i and i would try to talk to her and it was just like it was like she just didn't know how to break through to me so i tried therapy and i tried this and that and in the end it was just like some people are on these like journeys and like you you don't have the resources you're not going to have that foundation And that's why it's important to build, not only build yourself up, but like try to build a group around you to where when shit hits the fan, like you have like a, you have people around you that can support you because like it's what you're right. When, when stuff like that happens, you, you see the people that care, Yeah. but you also see the people that can break through. And like I had, luckily I had some friends that stuck with me through the very end and were able to like 
get me thinking in the right spot. And but anyways, that all pushed me. Okay, I gotta leave my job. One day I was just like, I chalked up that just like expectations of the job. I had just gotten married. Like you know, like I was thirty. What would I have been? That would have been two thousand twelve, thirteen ish. So I would have been like thirty three, I guess. Okay. Um, you know, you're just like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, if I don't like this job, I I gotta make a move. Right. And I basically just said, I can't have this happen again. So finally, I, after a year, few years, I was just like, I don't want to put myself in a position where this is going to happen again. I said, this, I, I can't. So I pulled my boss aside and I just said, I'm sorry, but like, I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I started to devise the idea of the store out of, I was just like, what am I, like, what can I utilize my, my work history and, and where I've gotten in life and, and, and everything that I was naturally good at. And like I built the company, I, I helped build the company that we were at through my communication and just through my personality and through my ability to listen and like put other people first. And like, I'm a good salesman. I get it. Like, I know I'm good at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, Nothing it all just, I was just like, I think I'm just, this is what I'm good at. Yeah. And, uh, and I wanted some, I was just like, I want to do something bigger, but I want to do something that reminds me of like where I came from and where I came from was a smaller town where there was a close knit community of people that, you know, that it was more than a transaction. Right. And, uh, it just kind of, and then right before, I think I was telling you, like two years before I, the insomnia thing is when I found running Okay. and I found trail running yeah. and like it just, Finding running was one thing. I was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of fun. I can like, you know, like some of the athletic endeavors, maybe I can, maybe I can do it in running. I don't think I'm that good at it, but I'm okay. Then I, um, I found, uh, trail running through like this random, like guy on like who used to write a blog. His name's Anton Kropichka. And I, uh, started like connecting with like this guy and like his, uh, his running blog, which I'm, a million people across the world. Oh, read. wow. Um, he was like this super minimalist, um, like runner guy that literally just, he was like crazy athletic specimen. Like he would literally run week after he would run 200 mile weeks. Oh, jeez. Um, in like Boulder, Colorado. Sounds like David Goggins. 50,000. Oh no. <laughs> David's crazy. I love David Goggins, but he's, he's, he's not. This guy's, this guy's, this guy puts him to shame. <laughs> Sorry, David. Yeah, sorry, David. Uh, <laughs> David. I know, David, you dealt with, you, you've mastered the other side of humanity, but like, yeah. it, but it was more than that. It was just like, I, I attached a lot of like, who I was prior to even finding running to like the mentality that I was able to find through this guy and through some other things. And it basically, I just realized like, I don't want a lot in life, but I want to like, I kind of want to like, see what I what I feel like has always been in me. And I think what's always been in me is like telling stories. And I felt like telling stories was like the way I could do that was like through a store. Yeah. And like using my store as like a platform for like the community. I wanted to meet people, you know, I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and like meet people and, um, you know, doing this today. Like I would, you think you can do podcasts five years ago? No. Why does anybody want to hear any of that? You know what I mean? 
Um, I'll tell you why. This has been super interesting. Like, that's why people want to hear this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. One day I was just like, what about a running store? Yeah. Like, it's a place where you can bring people together. It's a place where, like... It's it's sports, right? It's athletics. It's getting outdoors. It's moving your body. It's all these things that, like, you know, as you would know, like, we have to do be first and foremost. Like, it's our body before it's anything else. Right. And um, I said, I think I can open a running shop. Didn't really care about shoes and stuff, really. Not, yeah. I mean, I I was taking trail running pretty seriously, and I and of course shoes are a big part of that and footwear is a big part of that but um it was always more than that it was always like i know it'll, it might be a shoe store but like i just think it can be so much more than that yeah and uh it's a place for people to gather it's a place to yeah tell tell their stories right because yeah. it really comes in as running for some i mean not they're not like i said they're not running from something but they're running people run for a reason yeah. right now whether that's to get healthier or they just went through a terrible divorce, right? And yeah. and running helps them meditate and focus and yeah. get some relief from that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that's like those things in life, they're gonna happen. Yeah. You can be the best runner on earth. You can be the biggest, best athlete on earth. But if you're not well-rounded, like everything's gonna crumble around you. You can be the best business person, the best PT, yeah. best doctor doesn't matter like if you don't if you're a terrible human it doesn't matter if you're a terrible human or if you just don't know how to communicate yeah you know and you don't know how especially with your wife or especially with your husband things are going to fall apart around you if if you're not well versed in like life you know you don't have everybody doesn't have to have this giant group of people around them but like if you haven't built yourself up and you know then you're going to be in trouble you know so and it's like sometimes things have to happen. And in my case, everything that happened led me to opening Queen Creek Running Company. And it's it's this weird saga of like, you know, starting from the ground up and, and in life and like moving and, and, and opening this thing that like when people talk about us or, or, or whatever, it's like it's still surreal at times because I'm like you know what I mean? It's just like, I remember like reading about shoe stores 10 years ago and like wanting to go to all these cool stores in San Francisco and Colorado. And I would meet the store owners. I'd be like, you know, I think it'd be cool to one day yeah. open a shoe store. And, uh, and I did. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's, and how, it's like super cool. How long have you guys been open? Three and a half years. Yeah. yeah. Well, just again, that whole notion, right. That it was a place that was more than a shoe store. And like I said at the beginning, like it is more than a shoe store. It's it's a it's a community. It's a place people love to go and feel comfortable. Like yeah. I mean after being there like I'm like anybody I talk to I'm like you want shoes? Go see my man Logan down at yeah. Queen Creek so Running I'm Company. I'll see somebody else. I get a little tired by the <laughs> <laughs> Who's what's the who's the Carl, other guy? There's Carl. Carl, yeah. Kate, I'll tell yeah. Go, go see Carl. Yeah, they're go. all awesome. I mean that's that's well, anyway, what's cool is right. Is you've you've also not only like you created a community, but you've created employment opportunities. Yeah, for other people, it's important, and for people to do something that they love doing. Yeah, it's cool to like sign off on a check. I mean, I'll I'll admit it. Yeah, yeah it's, no, it's, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you 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 know, I mean, I know you're growing and you're and everything that you're doing is is built with a bigger idea of helping 
more people. Well, yeah, and not just helping the people that I treat and the community that I work within, but I want to help the community also by giving employment opportunities to people and yeah. giving people the opportunity to make more money than they would someplace else yeah. and have the time That's pretty cool. freedom to spend with their families and and not just build a business, but build a place where people want to come to work yeah. and where our patients stop by, even though they're not seeing us at the current time because well, they want us to talk to the, the front desk. Well, it's like all cyclical. It's like for you, it's like you want to keep people healthy yeah, so that we'll have healthy people walking around in the world that in turn can be healthy and can be happy and can work. Yeah. You know, it's like you're not just doing PT for athletes and for somebody who wants to get to the gym. You're doing it for people that want to have a everyday of life. Pick up the kids. quality of everyday of life. Yeah, pick up Get on the kids. floor with their kids, right? Whatever pick it may be. Pick up those, have, pick something up out of their car. Yeah. And, I, and that's like going back to like the pandemic and me telling you like I'm like driving down the road with like tears streaming down my face it was like it was like hard to be dealing with like seeing your country on its knees yeah and I felt like people I was just like why does everybody want to fight about everything why yeah. don't they want to like look at ways to like lift everybody up off their knees you right know, you know what I mean it's yeah. like whatever it, 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 it was tough because uh it, I think it's just easier to fight and argue because it's it's oh. easier to not look in the mirror. Well, and anger is a way easier emotion to tap into. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was just like, people always wanted to talk about that stuff through all the stuff we've been going on with the last few years. And I was just like, why? What? none of this matters. Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, the only thing that matters is you changing yourself. Yeah. You know, is because, and you educating yourself and you, you know, like, my father-in-law passed away uh, last year of, of COVID. It Sorry, was funny. Man. He used, yeah, he used to say uh, he was like the greatest man that ever lived. Like I will, my dad. I know my dad's listening to this. Maybe he'll admit it. Um, but like, just like, I think maybe I told you part of the story. But um, he used to always say, you know, because he was born in 1924. Okay. Um, first wife passed away. That's why he greatest was old, generation. He was old enough to have children with a second wife that's how he had my wife who's obviously considerably younger than that um but he uh he and i don't know how i got on this but he he was like he used to always say like when i was a kid yeah like you know you didn't spit on the sidewalk you know you didn't yeah. like you know just all these little things that like you know but it but like what he would say is he, he was just like you know it really i i never walked around my city or my town he was from a tiny town in ohio but he was just like i never like i never like expected anything it was always i always wanted to know like what i could do like i never wanted to take i always wanted to give because i felt like i needed to like i felt like it was important to give and give back and he's like and it and that never ended with him you know it, it like everything i ever knew about the guy he just it was never about him he was one of the most successful like engineers like our country's scene and like and, and, but you would never know that no. he, he would just sit and he would listen to you um and that's kind of through everything that's gone on in the last few years is like we need to learn how to give again if we're secure with ourselves what does any of this other stuff matter other than helping people said i did the abundance mentality right like yeah. people come from a scarcity mentality it's mine 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 yeah. there's competition if you have if you have more 
that means I have less. Yeah. Right? And that's that's kind of the way we look at things now. But some of the most successful people I know, not just professionally, but in their personal lives and relationships, come from a place of Dude, there's so there's enough Create. there's enough for everybody yeah right like there are so many people out there like just your shoe well, we store we know there's enough for everybody because yeah. you look at Jeff Bezos has like 200 billion dollars right but but like looking at you like your shoe store right like there's so many people out there that need shoes and running shoes that legitimately all of the stores can't fit couldn't get you know right like there's so much we're pretty successful relatively yeah. speaking yeah and like we get hundreds of people a week that are like, I had no idea you were here. Yeah. So it just shows if you're willing to work. Yeah. yeah it's out there. Like the, pe- the question is, is are people really willing to work? Yeah. I mean, I have people call me sometimes like newer grads or other people who are thinking about starting their own yeah. PT practice. Yeah. And they're like, hey, yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's talk. I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. Like, it's, if you, yeah, I mean, like I'm you, not worried about it. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll you tell you, do what, if you do what you do, yeah, like you, you, you still can't beat out hard work and dedication, commitment, communication, and like, and just putting yourself second. I mean, it, it's like it sounds cliche, but it's just like early on when we first opened the store, I was like worried about all these different things, and I was just like, man, in the end, the only thing that matters is you get up. And you work your ass off and every you, day. And you and serve people. Every single time it will work. Yeah. Every time. And, Period. And the other part of that key is serve people. Yeah. I, well, what I, what I like whenever I talk to somebody and they're talking about, like, how do you build a store and this and that? Now, I'm not to say that I have this giant store and this successful store, but you like. a successful store. It's okay. But like, um, I, I read, and you probably know, you know Joe Johnston. Joe, Joe's Farm Grill. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to he's, Joe. Yeah, I used to shout out to I used to ride motorcycles with his son. Oh, okay. With James or? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, I don't know Joe. I don't I think I've only like met him like once, but um, I've just, I came across this story that he was interviewed. This was like 15 years ago in like the New Times. Um, Real quick, for those of you guys who don't know who Joe Johnson is, Joe Johnson's a land developer, restaurateur, and just all around... Visionary, visionary dude that has like developed a huge portion of, of the area that we live in mm-hmm. and is one heck of a stand-up guy. Yeah. Um, well, so I, uh, I was re I just randomly, cause I wanted to be a, um, I also wanted to open a coffee shop, which maybe I will one day. Why not? Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to learn how to roast beans and this a coffee shop in your running store. That was the original goal. There you go. But that'll be location number two. But anyways, uh, I just randomly came across when I was um, looking into uh, the possibility of becoming a roaster and, and start and opening a coffee shop. Um, I, I came across this article that Joe wrote. It was an interview in the New Times. And it was just like at this point, he actually, I don't, do you remember the coffee plantation? Yeah. You remember that? It was like the big coffee shop yeah, yeah, that yeah. was on Mill Avenue. Uh-huh. I remember the coffee the plantation, yeah. Huge. So that was like before Starbucks. Was he that really his? He founded the coffee plantation. Oh, Joe. I didn't know that. I know. A lot of people don't. I think it was him and another guy. Because now he's got the coffee shop. He doesn't have the coffee shop. That's not his? That is not his. 
I thought that was I his. I assumed it was his, too. Because it's on his land, and it's right next to all his other stuff. I know. It makes total sense, but it, it's not. It's, it's got Vespa parking. and It's got Vespa parking out front there. Um, but anyway, so I... I um, one thing... It's a brilliant article on, yeah. like, on perseverance and, like, vision, never giving up on, like, your, your dreams and never giving up on, on like what you know you're capable of because he 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 basically went to scottsdale fashion square and said i have an idea for a coffee shop yeah and they said get out of here pound sand man and he he, and he went back like five times and they said you want a spot in here i know you think this is going to work if you want a spot in here we'll move that planter right there that's going to be your spot we're going to move that planter out of the way it's going to be a 10 foot spot you get a kiosk he eventually got this he got the kiosk the kiosk in like two years turned into like what it is today. But he said, I remember he made a comment in there because um, if you know, uh, there's always that one day a year where Joe's barbecue gives out free barbecue. Oh, I didn't know. That. I, I know they do it on your birthday. Yeah. Well, I think it's like one day a year. Oh, okay. If I remember correctly, maybe yeah. they do on your birthday too. He's like, you know what? He's like one day a year. Who cares? Who cares, Who cares? how much money we lose? This one day a year, like, you just give, like, and that's what you do. But, but what he also said, as I remember, is he said, um, he was basically like, if it's not about what you do, if you highlight your customer and if you highlight your community, like, it's all going to come back. Like, yep. you never worry about that. Never worry about what you're doing. Just worry about how you're serving, who you're serving. And it'll all come back. And like to this day, I've, I've never forgotten that. And it's always worked. And when a customer comes into my store and if I'm dealing with him and he's at the front counter and he's standing in front of me, I'm always just like, what do you do for a living? Yeah. I say it to every single person because I'm like, you're standing in my store. I'm going to try to find either if I can't stand where you work or where your son works or like like use that opportunity to grow closer to your community because like if you don't you're just like wasting yeah. it's becoming a transaction it's becoming something that Amazon can eat up yeah so and and uh interesting you talk about that transaction thing cuz i have a a guy that i work with um he's he's helping me do my financial this is mine. yeah that's yours man doing financial planning and and stuff like that and He's like, I have one question that I ask everybody. Yeah. And this is to determine if we're right to work together or not. He says, do you value an experience over a transaction? And if you value an experience over a transaction, we're the right fit. You're going to love working with me and I'm going to love working with you. But if you just want somebody to do your finances and do your financial planning and you, that's it. You just value the transactional piece of this relationship. Yeah hit the bricks. Yeah. I'm not for you. Yeah. And he goes, and I have no problem saying that to you because, yeah. but, but I think you're right. Like if you give people an experience and you make them, f- let them know that you care about them and you're part of that community. Yeah. It'll well, come back to you. It's like you said earlier, everybody's got a story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like everybody wants that story to be told. Like, you know what you asked me, you know, and me giving you some insight into what I went through and I know we haven't talked about what you've gone through and this and that. Like matter, yeah. everybody has that like 
Everybody has a pedestal. and Everybody wants to stand on that pedestal. Not everybody gets that chance. Right. And if you, unfortunately, if you don't get that chance, it festers and it could turn into something that, that could, you know, bleed into some type of evil in the world or whatever it may be. But like, that's, it's like, if there's somebody standing in front of me, they have some kind of a story and it might just be a story about running or it might be a story that can grow that person and ours relationship from a business standpoint or from a relational standpoint. But it's like, it's like, who are we without telling those stories? We just become these Instagram pages and this and that, you know what I mean? And you, you can't, there's still nothing that's going to replace physical storytelling no. right no. in front of you, you know? And, and I'm what, sure that's for you. I'm sure when you have a yeah. customer, it's like... Oh, dude, I'm... You're probably like... I mean, I've... I'm I've, part uh, therapist. I've been there. Yeah, you're a therapist from multiple angles, right? Yeah. But, no, I, and I, think it's, I think it's really cool that it's come back around to that idea where you were talking earlier. You're like, I wanted to tell stories. Yeah. And I wanted to tell stories... And I want to do that through my running store. Yeah. Like, so you're not only telling your story, you're collecting and telling other people's stories, which I think is super cool, you're man. Right. And I think this is probably a perfect place to end, man. Like, yeah. uh, so for everybody who's listening, who's made it this far, where, where can they find your story? Like, where can they find you on Instagram, Facebook, the internet? Um, so store is on uh, in the south, southeast valley, power in Chandler Heights. Um, in Queen south, Creek, Arizona. In Queen Creek, Arizona. Southwest corner, right next to Bosa Donuts. Um, Best donuts, by the way. Yeah. Voodoo, uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? I said Voodoo Donuts, I'm sorry. Bosa's yeah. better. Yeah. Um, and uh, Facebook, we're just Queen Creek Running Company, LLC, I think, on our Facebook page. Uh, Twitter, at QC Run Co., Q-C-R-U-N-C-O, uh, Instagram, Q-C-R-U-N-C-O. Um, got a website, but it's nondescript. It's, no, okay. We don't worry about going to the website. And we'll put, yeah, we, we, do, we do our group runs. We, uh, 6.30? 6.30 every other Thursday at S- Four Silos so when's, Brewing. So, when's, so this will be probably... Yeah. So what are your dates in January? Uh, that's good Is it first, second, th- like first and third, second and fourth? I'll tell you what, we're, we'll put a link up when this comes out. We'll put a link up in the in the up in the bio and also on the page for when you can find those dates. So if you want to get out and run, hook up with an awesome community of people, and then we'll put links to all run of them. Run or walk. Yeah, run or walk. Or ride your bike, take bring the kids. Yeah, man. It's a party. And then everybody hangs out and has dinner afterward at, at the Q, at the Four Silos Brewing Four Company. Silos. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool place. It's um, shout out to another yeah. local business. Yeah beautiful setting um great place but yeah we do more than that i mean we 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 have our we have other runs and activities that are where we uh coordinate with with brands and the big shoemakers and this and that so it's it's a cool we're we're continuing to grow we don't plan on stopping awesome uh, it's with everybody's help including yourself yeah man I'm happy to do it. Well, Logan, dude, I appreciate you coming in, taking the time tonight to do this. This is this, dude. No, seriously, it means a lot to me yeah. that you that you'd share your story with with me and and whoever is going to listen to this. So, we're all storytellers. Appreciate it, man. Just just got to open that first chapter. Absolutely.